some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with Tanya Ali and Katie Winton. Good morning, you are listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, your Saturday morning fix of art, politics and trash from a feminist perspective. I'm Tanya Ali. And I'm Katie Winton. Uh, Agenda on FBI Radio is broadcast on Gadigal land and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people as the original custodians of the land that we broadcast on today and pay my respects to the elders past and present. And I'd also like to acknowledge the significance of Redfern as a place of strength, knowledge sharing, resistance and storytelling for a lot of communities and would like to honour that history. You may have just heard Backchat talking about the My Health Record online database and what it means to have to opt out of having your medical details stored online. For thoughts that count today, we'll go into a little bit more detail about what the My Health Record actually means for people who face stigmatization in the medical system. Yeah, there was an ABC report by Flint uh, Duxfield a few days ago um, who spoke to Gala Vanting, who in, uh, Only Blue interviewed on Agenda last week. Uh, and Gala talks about why the My Health Records um, online database is risky for sex workers. Um, Eloise Brooke also speaks in that interview about um, concerns about stigma and trauma for the LGBTQI community. So uh, Eloise is the director of the Gender Centre and, um, yeah, talks about why an e-record of medical history could be uh, problematic. And we'll play a little bit of that audio for you later on in the show. Um, But we want to know whether you've opted out of the My Health Record and why. I just did before we started the show. Yeah, Uh, nice. Text us on 0409 945 945. Also on the show today, we're chatting to James Christie Murray, who is the director of Queer Space, a Wollongong-based creative collective aimed to creating safer spaces for everyone. So Queer Space Wollongong are working with Heaps Gay to put on a queer AF party tonight at the Imperial Hotel. We're really looking forward to hearing from James about that a little later on in the show. Yeah, a lot of uh, Imperial-heavy content today, which is great. <laughs> um, we'll also be talking to Dr. Grace Sharkey and Vivian Lindsley about pornography, the queer gays, and the new taffy. Artist Residency and Knowledge Exchange Program, uh, which has recently started happening at the reopened Imperial Hotel in Erskineville. Super excited about both of those interviews. The programming at the Imperial since it's reopened has been so great. Um, I can't wait to hear a little bit more about Queer Space Wollongong as well. Um, also in very important news, it was Tanya's birthday this week. Uh, happy birthday, Tanya. Thank you. <laughs> I feel very lucky to be able to co-present Agenda every Saturday with you. Um, and just want to use this public forum to say that Tanya is one of the most motivated, kind smartest people I know and I'm very inspired by her dedication to everything that she does so thank you sorry that's a bit I might actually be on a hangover (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's true you're the best and happy birthday Stop. You're the best. Thank you so much. Um, earlier this month, Melbourne artist Mojo Juju released a new track and music video exploring her experiences as a queer, mixed race and indigenous woman. Uh, the music video is amazing. It features um, indigenous dance group Juki Mala um, and was directed by Claudia um, San Giorgi Dalimore, uh, who you might remember from directing Her Sound, Her Story which is the new documentary spotlighting women in the Australian music industry. Yeah, it's a really great song and video. And unfortunately, because we can't have nice things ever, uh, there was some controversy surrounding a review of the track that was published on the music. Um, and I, like, I don't think we should go into specifics because it was a bit shit. And I will say it was like, yeah, very insensitive and poorly worded. So 
That was upsetting. Mojo Juju had a really great response to it, though. Um, in a Facebook post, she said, My song is deeply personal, but I had always dreamed that in some way it might be able to unify, uplift, and empower POC and other minorities within this country. I still believe in the positivity of this song and feel that the warm and vast embrace it has had to date is a sign that as a community we are evolving and moving forward to a more accepting and inclusive time. Also, um, Mojo Juju came into FBI Radio last week and had an incredible interview with um, Darren Lasagas on Wednesday Arvos. She performed a live song as well. It was uh. the Honestly, one of the best interviews I have ever witnessed. I was in the producer's booth just literally crying. It was so great. So go and listen back to that at fbiradio.com. Click on programs and then Arvos, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, let's take a listen to the song now. This is Mojo Juju with Native Tongue. Stick around for more thoughts on the My Health record right after this. i 
to Agenda on FBI Radio and it's time for Thoughts That Count where we ask your opinion on a topical issue. If you've just tuned in, Backchat talked a little bit about it on their show this morning. Uh, so we're talking about the My Health Record and what it means to have an e-record of your medical history. Um, basically, it's an online summary of your health information that can be accessed anywhere, anytime by you and your healthcare providers. So it stores information such as allergies, medicines you're taking, medical conditions you've been diagnosed with and pathology tests. Um, like blood results, blood test results. Um, we want to know whether you're opting out of the My Health Record scheme and why or why not. Uh, text us on 0409-945-945. of sex workers are planning on opting out of the My Health Record scheme due to fears that it could increase stigmatisation and in some cases lead to criminal prosecution, um, according to a survey by the Sex Workers Outreach Project. Yeah, we heard from Gala Vanting last week who spoke to Only Blue on Agenda, um, who did an interview this week for the ABC where she talked about uh, why the My Health Record online database is risky for sex workers. Um, Eloise Brooke also spoke in that interview. Um, she's the director of the Gender Centre and she talked about similar concerns around stigma and trauma for the LGBTQI community um, in terms of an e-record of medical history. So, I don't know, I think like personally I have a severe distrust for doctors um, and I'm really concerned about what's recorded and who has access to it and what further stigma or trauma that could bring up. I guess, yeah, I guess I feel like in theory it could be good to assist in reducing unnecessary or duplicate tests um, and also to provide like a full medication history. But I think in practice, there's so much stigma in medical practice around things like sex work, gender identity, being HIV positive, even being believed in terms of your pain in a medical system, which we've spoken about on agenda before. But I think, yeah, I, like in practice and in theory, I feel like they're two different things, which is why I have opted out. <laughs> no, 100%. And it's also the issue of kind of having your um, data available for the government and like as as data that they can potentially sell um there's a whole yeah there's so many things in this one big concern um for sex workers is the ability for law enforcement to access the my health data without seeking a warrant um Sex work is criminalized in a number of states, as is being a sex worker who's HIV positive. So a sex worker could be arrested depending on what state they're in just because law enforcement has had access to their My Health data. Yeah, it's super scary. Um, And something that I hadn't really thought about in depth until this ABC interview this week. Um, Let's play an excerpt from it. Um, It's the report by Flint Duckfield um, on why the My Health data record could be harmful also for the trans community. The experience of trans people when more information is available about them than is necessary is that they experience discrimination. For a trans person, a previous name or previous gender, these things actually cause distress, especially if it leads to misgendering or dead naming. Almost all of the people that I've spoken to have expressed anxiety about e-health records and are going to opt out. That was Eloise Brooke, the director of the Sydney Support Service, the Gender Centre. Um, we've been talking about the My Health Record database and why it poses problems for marginalised communities. What are your thoughts? Text us on 0409-945-945. Have you opted out uh, or are you going to or why? Um, oh, actually, we just got a text. My biggest concern is whether or not insurance companies can get their hands on it. Totally. Mm, yeah, yeah, agreed. Thank you, anonymous texter. <laughs> this is Thumbuck Plum's latest single, Clumsy Love, and right after this, we'll be speaking with Vivian Lindsley and Dr. Grace Sharkey to talk about the artist residency program at the Imperial. Mm. 
Plum there with Clumsy Love, and you're tuned in to Agenda on FBI Radio. This month, the Imperial launched a performance initiative called Taffy, Ideas to Chew On, where the basement is transformed into a progressive cultural epicenter of performances, seminars, and projects, uh, with a rotating roster of performance artists who are given a month each to create an original work and curate performances and informative seminars and workshops. We're joined now by Dr. Vivian Lindsley, who is one of the co-artistic directors of Taffy, and Dr. Grace Sharkey, who is a postgraduate teaching fellow in the Department of Gender and Cultural Studies at the University of Sydney. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming in so early on a Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about how and why Taffy was born? Yeah, so... um, Taffy is the brainchild of Kieran Strange, Alexander Lamarckie and myself. We're the three co-artistic directors. Uh, Kieran is the entertainment manager of the Imperial Erskineville, who has a background in film and um, art direction and as a director. Alexander Lamarckie, or AJ, is a strategist who works in project management, development and execution at the Opera House. 
And um, I'm a visual artist who specialises in interactive technology and experimental performance, and I have a background in academia. Yeah, so um, we, I started working at the Imperial in February, and Kieran and I sort of hit it off instantly, and he actually floated the idea originally of a baby drag school at the Imperial. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually the seed of Taffy, and um, wanting to transform the basement space, because it's predominantly the club space on the weekend, which is you know where everyone has been there and experienced it. But there's four dark days, so from Monday to Thursday and the occasional Sunday, like it doesn't operate and it wasn't put in the budget for the Imperial at all. So he keyed on, on to that very fast. And um, through my background as well in education, academia and art, we both just um, sort of talked it out and realised the potential that that space had. And then he um, brought in AJ, who's also known as Cleo, who is Cleo and the Queens, who runs Dungeons and Drag Queens, which is on, it's an improv comedy show, which is on the last Wednesday of every month at the Imperial. And that was the first performance, like the first theatre piece that came to the Imperial. So we met AJ and just the three of us just sort of worked together and built Taffy from the ground up from there. So the reason um, we actually pinpointed why we needed um, this program is few reasons. Um, just general arts funding cuts, team with the high cost of living in Sydney was a big one. Um, performers don't have consistent work and they don't have space to work in that's not incredibly expensive. Um, we're sort of driven by a desire to disseminate knowledge within the community, so um, we wanted to consider different financial accessibility modes for a knowledge exchange, so our events always have low price points as well. Um, and although there is a queer bubble in the inner city, like, you know, Redfern, um, I'd say in the inner west as well, but also it's the inner city of Sydney, queer performance spaces are few and far between in Sydney. So instead of, I've found as a practicing artist as well, instead of trying to get into venues like, you know, which are amazing, like performance space or packed, there are so many artists trying to go into these spaces. So we just decided to create more space. Yeah, so um, I think that's most of it. That in it's just as we also really wanted to emphasize a safe space for um, artists creating work. It, yeah, I f yeah, I feel like uh, there's a quite a lack of developmental space as well. Like there are mm. a lot of outcomes focused spaces um, and uh, like availabilities for artists to present work, but maybe residency spaces or kind of workspaces are less common yeah I feel like there's a big jump from being a um, an emerging artist to being a practicing professional artist and we're trying to fill that space in between so a lot of the artists we work with have come up through the club scene as well through these you know like you can always say it like honcho disco or heaps gay that's going to be on tonight there's this incredible creative um, you know like uh, incredible creative artists coming up and they're not necessarily from art school and they might not be affiliated with other artists so there's this you know, we're just trying to tap into that and create a bit more space for that as well. Yeah, totally. Um, you kind of touched on it just before, but um, you do list on your website the importance of community for queer and minority audiences um, as one of the driving reasons for Taffy's creation. Um, how do you feel like uh, Taffy has addressed this need for community kind of so far? Do you want to, yeah, do you want to do this one together, Grace? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think when, when Viv asked me to do it, I was really excited. So I gave a talk, um, sort of an academic but not too academic seminar, a few nights ago at the Imperial. And I'm always really excited to be able to do what, what in academia we might call outward-facing research. Mm -hmm. um, 
but partly because I think that beyond writing about pornography, which is my main area of study, I'm really invested in pedagogy and thinking about teaching and thinking about how um, theory and the sort of theoretical concerns that I have in my own work can translate into the world. And um, particularly when you do things like queer theory like I do, which... um, sort of become knowledges that feel what some people call central to living. You know, the idea that um, I write about people's lives and people's everyday experiences in lots of ways. And so to be able to um, broach a kind of uh, divide that sometimes exists because of different types of educational histories and and types of educational hierarchies and sort of to say that actually, you know, queer theory can be for everyone. And um, I try to make it fun and keep it easy, um, but not too easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, what we're really trying to go for with Taffy is it's um, community and holding space, I think is the key message of why we're doing it. And I feel, because my background is, like, my my thesis was in studying performance art and experimental theatre, so I have uh, core beliefs of what performance is, so I think that... um, there's this wonderful philosopher uh, called Jacques Rancière who talks about, um, in his writings, The Emancipated Spectator, he explains that live performance is an exemplary communal act and live performance is the space in which the community comes together and confronts itself as a collective and performance as an, is an act of self-presencing for everyone. So I have that belief um, underneath why I was pushed to create, well, why I decided to work on Taffy with everyone as well. And I think for the queer community as well, coming to the space that um, performance is an incredible form to bring people together and to use these artists as, not use these artists, sorry, work with these artists, (laughs) like use them, (laughs) Eddie Grumble, Eddie Dexterity and Cassie Workman to um, spread their message, to bring people together in the live act and just to share stories and experiences, which is very important. Uh, yeah. Grace, can we go back to your mm. lecture because um, you are an academic seminar mm. uh, drawing on your research from queer pornography sites like CrashPadSeries.com and Queer Porn TV, which is what well, we had a great scroll through this morning. Excellent. But yeah, we're really disappointed that we missed that conversation um, at, and we'd love to hear a little bit more about what came out of it and what was kind of what you talked about. Totally. So I think one of the things I wanted to do was um, look at some of the histories of ideas that I'm sure you talk about on this show, things like the male gaze, uh, things like uh, what it means to um, be represented and see yourself on screen. So these ideas are obviously um, things that people like us and people who are listening, I'm sure, think about all the time. Uh, but they have really long academic histories as well. And I think sometimes it's interesting to go back and think, well, what what have other people said about these things and what have philosophers said and feminist film theorists particularly have said? Uh, and I think also trying to broach that um, there aren't necessarily right and wrong ways to think about these things, but maybe we can open up the conversation and think about their histories. So um, I wanted to look really at uh, the history of the male gaze and thinking about how we might be able to think and rethink what that really means and revisiting sort of the original essay that Laura Mulvey wrote where she coins the male gaze and she says, um, you know, that we can use psychoanalysis as a kind of weapon to help us understand how film is also just a tool of the patriarchy in some ways. Um, But also revisiting the sort of later parts of that essay where she talks about the pleasure in being looked at and parts of that essay that often get left behind, which I think are really interesting in considering pornography because if you take Mulvey's argument 
suddenly pornography becomes this really dangerous object where women are only ever looked at. Um, but if we remember the rest of her essay and we go, okay, well, actually, we can also take pleasure in being looked at and women are allowed to want to be looked at and queers are allowed to be wanted to be looked at and be seen in certain ways, um, then suddenly you have a lot more to work with, I think. Um, so I'm interested in how women are represented on screen and trans people and non-binary people and other queer people are represented. I'm not so interested in how cis male people are represented. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to say. Really? Yeah. That's not really my area of expertise. Um, but... Yeah, I'm interested in how we hold our gaze and um, how we want to be seen. Yeah. Will you be doing more, like, was the talk recorded or will there be more kind of iterations of um, your work available for um, people to reference? <laughs> I suppose so. I mean, um, uh, you can come and take my course at the University of Sydney Great. next semester, <laughs> Intimacy, Love and Friendship, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Um, but And I'm available for talks uh, <laughs> at any moment. Um, I don't have anything in the works at the moment, but um, you can find me online. My work's online. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, a part of uh, what we had in our... What we wanted to ask you about, too, just touching on that, would be the concept of to be looked at this, mm-hmm. which you kind of just talked a little bit mm. about. Um, but was that kind of referencing what you're talking about in the end of Mulvey's essay? Yeah, yeah. So she sort of argues that women can only, in some ways at least, she originally argues this, that women can only ever be, they they sort of um, form nothing but to be looked atness. They can only ever be on screen in order to be looked at so that women can't look, they don't have a gaze, right? So that's really what she's arguing when she talks about the male gaze, that women don't have a gaze that they can use in the same way because cinema is this active and passive and, and masculine and feminine medium. Um, but later on, Mulvey, Mulvey says, I don't really know if I think that anymore. And no one ever realizes that she says this. Um, I feel like I say that about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't um, know what I think. And uh, I know I know academics who have met her at conferences and just been like, oh, God, <laughs> I wish people would stop talking about the thing I wrote in 1975. But also I think it's still a really viable and really important concept that has been a huge side for feminist sort of change. Um, and so I certainly don't want to dismiss it either. But being able to say that there are lots of ways to be looked at um, and what it might mean to sort of inhabit a kind of to-be-looked-at-ness. To kick off Taffy this month is Betty Grumble's residency titled The Erotics of the Divine Feminine Pleasure Activism and My Ecosexual Love Letter to the World. What have you seen from Betty's residency so far? Amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Betty Grumble, also known as Emma Mae Gibson, she's an incredible artist. Um, I met her actually about seven years ago and we um, trained together, but I've been able to map her trajectory and I think, you know, she's got this incredible... Um, She's got this incredible body of work and it's only growing, which is, it's really lovely to be a part of and to, you know, hold space for her in this process too. So at the beginning of the residency, she brought Love and Anger to the basement, which was, has anyone seen Love and Anger here? No. It is incredible. Yeah, it's like, I don't, the only way I can describe it, it's like a um, an earthquake of a performance which like holds on to you and it's hilarious and heartbreaking. And I don't actually want to spoil it for everyone, so you should just definitely go and see it, but... Um, I know a lot of her residency um, has actually taken a turn of what originally um, she set out to do, I think, because she's dealing a lot with um, profound grief at the moment Mm. and she's lost someone very close to her, um, Candy Royale. So I think um, she's brought that into her art practice and I think um, from what I know what she's doing, because she's still in the mix of making work as well, uh, she's dealing with... um, grief and um, 
how would I express it? Um, she's exploring grief and profound loss and um, channeling this and embodying it and looking at the ritual of the erotic and orgasm to do with this. Yeah, yeah. actually, Candy Royale's memorial is happening today. Yeah, mm. at 2.30 um, yeah, at Carriage Yeah, for yeah. anyone who would like to go along. Um, you're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. We're joined in the studio by Vivian Lindsley and Grace Sharkey. And after this track, we're going to hear a little bit more about what's going on at the Imperial uh, for Taffy Artist Residencies and Knowledge Exchange. Um, right now, though, this is Lotic with Hunted. <laughs>
You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio and we're chatting to Vivian Lindsley and Grace Sharkey. Uh, so coming up as part of Betty Grumble's residency at the Imperial Hotel, um, Sydney-based actor, queer poet, performance maker and HIV activist Sebastian Jamal will be throwing a shoe sumner party. Great, thanks. Uh, On July 24th, didn't practice that before I said it, um, at the Imperial. Can you tell us a little bit about that event? Yeah. um, Yeah. Well, I met um, Seb Jamal actually through uh, Betty Grumble. He's an incredible poet and really inspiring human being. So it's actually Seb Jamal as, um, is presenting Shushumna as the Fagabonds, which is Andy Dexterity and, um, so it's their their collective idea. So um, my one sentence of explaining it, it's a movement meditation through a freedom dance party. And they have this great saying for it, get ready to shimmy up your chakras. <laughs> so, but I saw that um, they wrote this thing on Facebook the other day, and I might just read it because I won't do it justice. So it's quite a beautiful description of it. So we are getting ready next Tuesday. We will dance. We will dance for ourselves. We will dance for love. You will be guided in the dance. It will be fun. It will feel safe. It will be therapeutic. It will be the dance that you need because you are because you are in power. There will be live original music specifically designed to wake your energy centers one by one. There will be visuals that resonate with all of your parts. There will be creatures to connect with, some with crystals, some with tarot cards. Let us know if you might join us so we can cater. Probably the event I've waited my whole life to go to, but it's been waiting for us to make it happen. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. I have been meaning to go get my tarot cards read for yeah. some So time. we can do it at a dance so party. That's yeah. great yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's very exciting. What are some of the other events or residencies coming up for Taffy that you're excited about? All right, there are so many. Yes. <laughs> we just went in on it. So, um, yeah, so next Tuesday is Shishumna Party. Uh, it starts at 7.30. I know it's hard. It's a hard word. Yeah, so July 26th, we have an artist talk with um, Lucy Lemizuri and Samuel Leighton Dorr. So um, Lucy is a queer feminist and community-based photographer who's based in Sydney, and her work focuses on the underlying messages in images and how those images can affect the people who consume them. So the talk is titled Gazing Ethically, a practice-led examination into ethical photography practices and visualising queer community. She's a total babe also. Oh, she's a babe. Yeah, Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, and um, Sam is a queer writer, director and visual artist based on the Gold Coast. Uh, Through his ceramics, paintings and animated works, he unpacks and examines themes of sexuality, masculinity and mental health. So his talk is titled How to Be a Big Strong Man, Subverting Unhealthy Notions of Masculinity Through Art and Social Media. So I think it's really exciting they're actually presenting this together. It's a really cool mm. contrast. Yeah. yeah. So many so many great things. Oh, and the most one of the really important events is Betty Grumble's uh, final showing. So I'm not sh- 100% sure of the title yet, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be Grief Come. So oh. that's on the 29th, Sunday at 7.30, and it's also the handover uh, performance, so she'll be performing, and I'm pretty sure she's showing film, 
um, a Q&A will follow, and then she hands the residency over to Andy Dexterity, who will perform. So it's sort of a handover night. Oh, beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cyclical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Grace, thank you so much for coming in to chat to us on Agenda this morning. Well, uh, thank you for having yeah, us. Thank you yeah, thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely pop a link up to all the Imperial programming that's yeah, happening on our Agenda you. show page. Um, and up next, we'll be chatting to James Christie Murray from Queer Space Wollongong, uh, who is also coincidentally going to talk about the Heapscape Queer AF party happening tonight at the Imperial mm-hmm. Hotel. Right now, though, this is Kinder with What You Like.
curated by Music New South Wales to showcase women in electronic music. Radio. Thank you. 
Flower Boy there with I Just Want to Adore You. You tuned in to Agenda on FBI Radio with myself, Tanya Ali, and Katie Winton. And tonight at the Imperial Hotel in Erskineville, heaps gay and queer space Wollongong are joining forces to bring the best of the gongs queer scene to Sydney at the Heaps Gay Queer AF Party. We're joined now by James Christie Murray, the director of Queer Space. Hi, James. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on this phone call. Um, what is what is Queer Space Wollongong and how did it start? Queer Space Wollongong is a little creative collective group. Um, we aim towards creating, you know, really safe, inclusive, um, creative events around Wollongong. Um, you know, it all started off with a little party at a, a little bar in Wollongong called Hotel Alwara, which is kind of notorious for not being gay at all, like being very... Um, very not gay, actually. Um, and we kind of took it over for a night, did our thing, and we didn't really expect much to come from it, but it's really grown into this really thriving um, creative community where now it's an ongoing monthly party. We do trivia nights. Um, so it's been super, super cool and been really well received, which is which is awesome. That's super exciting. Why do, why do you think that queer communities and spaces are so important for young people, especially in places like Wollongong? I think, like... You know, Wollongong especially. I grew up here. I grew up um, going to high school and being. It was. It wasn't the best time for me. I had. I was bullied a little bit throughout high school, and by a little bit, I mean a lot of it. <laughs> um, and it kind of went on after uni, and and it was. It was a pretty tough place to grow up. But having um, queer events in, in in bigger cities that I've been to, it, it just feels so freeing and welcoming. Being around people of your own community and people who share the same values and lived experiences as you. So bringing that to Wollongong, I think, has been so incredibly inspiring and, and awesome, especially Wollongong now because it's going through this really interesting creative shift where people are becoming more aware of the community and the amount of, you know, the array of different people that live here and the needs and wants that the creative people of, of the community um, are craving at the moment. So it's really cool. And, and really important to kind of share that in a different context as well. Like, is this the first time that Queer Space Wollongong has done an event in Sydney? Yeah, this is the first time we've ever, you know, collabed with anyone, really. So bringing up to Sydney is, is, is huge for us. And I've been following Heatscape for years now. So when I got that email, I, like, fell to the floor <laughs> and I was, like, fangirling hard <laughs> because I've just always looked up to them and admired what they do up there. So it, for me, it's so fantastic. And have you been involved in kind of the programming of some of the uh, stuff that's happening in Wollongong to bring to Sydney? Yeah, so we, um, I, I like to do all the curation for the talent. So um, all of the awesome performers that are coming up tonight are all from Wollongong and they're all kind of like the Queer AF, um, Queer Space alumni. So they're all the, they're all the really like trademark Wollongong kind of, <laughs> kind of weirdos that are going to come up and, and show Sydney what we've got. And what's what's what are some of the? Can you give anything away? What are some of the things that are happening? Look, we, we this okay. I don't know why, but Wollongong people like Wollongong performers love a bit of shock value. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I feel like Sydney <laughs> does as well. So yeah. Um, Tammy Thomas wrote a great piece for Archer magazine a while back, which talks about queer spaces in universities and how often a space for queer activism. Uh, from educating the broader community about issues that affect the daily lives of queer students to campaigns that can affect real policy change um, and in government um, are really important. And I, I guess, is this something that you've noticed through Queer Space? Yeah, like, look, I think w when people when people see these and, and see events like, like queer events and um, queer people going to events, it, 
it just it just creates visibility, which I think is the most important thing. It creates it creates a sense of you know where does real people who just want to have a good time and feel secure and safe where we are from there. Like that's the best that I can do as a as a organizer and as a producer. All I can do is hope that people will come to the event and see that queer people are just just people, <laughs> and we just want to have a good time and feel secure and safe wherever we are. Um, and I think yeah, it all kind of starts with grassroots. Um, and what are some of the events that you have coming up in Wollongong? Uh, in Wollongong, we have a big 90s party happening um, at 151 Nightclub on the 4th of August. Um, and then we have a bunch of trivia nights coming up really soon as well. But we, we usually post them up a few weeks beforehand on the Space Facebook page. And can you tell us about some of your favourite musicians and artists and performers in Wollongong? Yeah, there's a bunch. Um, my favourite... Probably well, not favorite. It's hard to say favorite, but not fav- the, no, non-hierarchical. <laughs> some of the people that are really doing inspiring things. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, there's uh, a band called The Nah, which are fantastic. They're um, an awesome like gal band that are just killing it right now. And there's also Cry Club. Um, good friends with those guys who are killing it as well. Um, and there's a really cool band called Basil's Kite as well. Honestly, I could go on and on about <laughs> the bands in Wollongong. There are so many. Maybe we'll need you to write a listicle for us and <laughs> yeah, we, can, we can publish it on the agenda show page. <laughs> um, so Heaps Gay Queer AF is kicking off tonight at 9.30 at the Imperial Hotel in Erskineville uh, and tickets are $15 from the venue. Can you get tickets online or is it just on the door? Oh, it's all at the door tonight. Great. Um, so we're going to leave you now with a great uh, new queer band from the gong called Cry Club. This is their debut single called Walk Away. Um, stick around for weekend lunch up next. James, thank you so much for chatting to us on Agenda this morning. You're more than well. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, we'll see you tonight. See you then. Mm-hmm.